Thank you so much again for joining us here today at church. And once again, uh, my name's Hayden, and it's the first Sunday of the month of December. And on the first Sunday of the month, we always lean into a time of communion. And now we usually uh, take a moment in our service and we talk about communion for a few minutes and then we partake together. But I really sensed from the Lord on this specific Sunday that we would take the sermon today and really unpack the topic of communion, unpack the topic of the Lord's Supper and make sure that we know what we're doing, that we get it right. And so the title of my message here today is Communion at Christmas, all right? Communion at Christmas. And what I'd like to do is just take the subject of communion and just say, okay, God, what does this look like in the Bible? And what does this look like for me? So can we do that today? If we can do it, say, let's do it. If you're hungry, say, let's eat. If you're ready, say, ready. All right, well, Father God, we're ready to jump into your word right now. We're ready to eat from your word right now. God, for those who are online, God, to those who are in the room, we declare that you're worthy. We declare your glory. Come on, just even in, the, even in the comments section right now, just type you're worthy. And we'll say it with our tongues and with our thumbs. God, you're worthy. God, you're worthy of, you're worth it to get up this morning, to go to church, to drive here, to wear a mask, to come in this place. Jesus, you're worthy. And so, God, help, help us right now to hear your word. Don't let this just be another sermon. Don't let this be a checkbox. Don't let this just be a morning Sunday routine. God, we want a moment. Amen? Come on. We want to move right now from the Lord. God, help us to get this in our hearts. Help us to experience you in a fresh way. Today, on December 6th, 2020, we met with God here at Walk Church. God, we want to meet with you today, Lord. Visit us in this place, and we believe you, you will through your word. And so, God, we're, our hearts are open. Jesus, be the center of this sermon. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So the topic of communion, and hopefully you got one of these little cracker and juice packets, which symbolizes communion, symbolizes the Lord's Supper. We're going to partake in, in, in doing this soon Um, But I want to give us just an understanding of why we do it first, because the motivation behind partaking in the Lord's Supper is the most important thing about it. So if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and we're going to actually see the Apostle Paul's recounting of the Lord's Supper and how it was given to him. When you get there, say, I'm there. All right, two of y'all, okay. If you're there by way of screen, come on, say, I'm there. Everybody should be there, all right? Come on, 1 Corinthians 11, uh, verse 23 through 29. If you're there online, say, I'm there. Okay, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 
Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Some deep words there as we look at the Apostle Paul breaking down for us the communion message. So I want to talk about communion at Christmas and the power of these words. As the Apostle Paul either received this teaching, Paul would hang out with the disciple Peter, and Peter in a lot of ways probably taught Paul some of this a language when it comes to the Lord's Supper, or maybe the Lord Jesus visited him himself and spoke these words to him. We don't quite know how Paul received this message, but he got it and he practiced communion, and so should the church. And so I want to go ahead and break this down kind of piece by piece and bring a brief exposition to these words. The first point of my sermon today is this. Communion reminds us to look backwards. Communion reminds us to look backwards. In verse 24 and 25, Paul says it like this. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. And I want to highlight, do this in remembrance of me. Right here, Paul is reminding us to remember. Amen. There's something powerful about memory. There's something powerful about seeing pictures that remember, that help you remember. There's There's this word throughout the Bible from the Old Testament to the New Testament where God is saying, grab a rock to help you remember. Write this down. Have a celebration. Call it a feast. Call it a a, a year of celebration. And in the New Testament, we see these celebrations continue, and specifically through this ordinance called communion. It says, do this in remembrance of me. Verse 25, in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. It's important that we do this. You know why? Because it says do this. (laughs) Y'all know I'm really elementary with it. Uh, I'm not trying to to wow you here, but I think we need to just remember that the the, the writer said do this. Jesus said do this back to back. He lifted the the bread up, and he said, do this. He lifted the cup up and said, do this. Why are we doing this here today? Because Jesus told us to do this. Before Nike said, just do it, come on, somebody, right? Jesus was saying, just do it. Come to church, get you some bread and some juice, some wine, whatever that looks like for you, and just do it. And he gives us some parameters on how to do it right do this in remembrance of me. What, essentially, what is he calling us to do? I believe that he's calling us to remember. Jesus is helping us remember. We have this tendency to drift. And we just start to drift closer to the world. We start to drift into comfort. We start to drift to sin. We are much like the disciples of the New Testament. We drift away from the cross. We never just drift to the cross. We need help remembering the cross, amen? That's why I love singing songs about Jesus at the center. And Jesus on the cross, but he doesn't stay there. Come on, he rises from the dead, right? We sing about Jesus. You know why? Because we need to to remember. We need to do this. So communion is a great way to remember where we've came from. 
Communion reminds us to look backwards. He says, do this in remembrance of me. I looked up the word remembrance. The word remembrance means to remember something. So I looked up the word remember, and it's a verb, and here's what the word remember means. To be able to bring to one's mind an awareness of someone or something that one has seen, known, or experienced in the past. Friend, maybe you came in here today feeling a little dry, feeling like your relationship with Christ has gotten cold, your relationship with Christ is distant, you once talked to God, were tight with God, you were known as somebody who loved God, and today you're like, I'm not quite there. Come on, friend, here we are today. This is a moment to remember, to get back to, to feel again, to worship again, amen? This is a moment for that here Today, Webster says, to bring to mind or think of again. Church, I really just want to help you think of Christ again. I want to help you think of the Savior again. Think of the gospel again. Think of your sin again. And then think of your sin being paid for again. And then think of you falling again and trying to figure out how to get back up. And think of Jesus lifting you back up. Think of the blood of Jesus. Think of the atonement of Jesus. Remember what he's done. Communion, when you lift this cup up, it it helps you think backwards, amen? I love how the great writer Charles Spurgeon once said it. Spurgeon talks of this great task. He says, never mind that bread and wine. It's kind of like a rhyme from Spurgeon. Never mind that bread and wine unless you can use them as folks often use their spectacles. I don't... I don't know, Pastor Mike, do you call your glasses spectacles? Not anymore, but the, the, we get the point, all right? Spurgeon says, never mind that bread and wine. In other words, don't grab the bread and wine unless you're going to do something with it. D- don't grab it unless it's going to lead you to remembering. Take the bread, take the cup, and put them on as glasses. And here's what you should see. What do they use them for? To look at. No, to look through them. Use the bread and wine as a pair of spectacles. Look through them. Do not be satisfied until you can say, yes, yes, I can see the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Right? Amen? Like, like, like don't, don't open the package and don't eat it and don't drink it until you can say, okay, I see him. Right? It, it was a little foggy at first. I can kind of see Jesus on the cross, but now I see him. And I can see his blood, and I can see his nail-pierced hands, and I can see everybody betraying him and leaving him. I can see it getting dark. I can see it being a very dark day, but I can see him saving me. Communion helps us look backwards. And my friend, we need to look backwards. We need to, to prioritize saying, okay, Jesus, you did this for me. I mean, he really died. For us, this is a good reminder for his church. Let us lean into that reminder. I like how in Jesus' actual statement in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 26, there's, there's four different accounts of the Lord's Supper, and Matthew's account says it like this, and, and he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. The covenant that this is talking about is the covenant of forgiveness. In the Bible, we see an old covenant and a new covenant. All right, come on. Are you still with me? If you're with me, say I'm with you. You're like, man, here goes this theological stuff, man. 
It's important because it applies to our lives. We want to we think rightly about God, amen? If we're going to love the Lord God with all of our minds, then we have to know God rightly in our minds. We don't want to have a false perception or a false understanding of who God is. For 18 years of my life, I made up a God in my head, and it was really just me. It wasn't the God of the Bible. And then God started speaking in his word, and he goes, oh, I was like, man, this is different than what I made up in my head. And Jesus is trying to help us see him. And he says, in the Old Testament, there was this old covenant. In order to be forgiven of your sins, you had to have a sacrifice. The old covenant required a sacrificial law that required going to the temple and bringing a sacrifice and presenting it to the priest. And it needed to be a good sacrifice, an unblemished sacrifice, a sacrifice that was clean before the people. And then the priest would sacrifice this blood and And then it would be removal temporarily of your sin, and then you would have to do it again. And then there was this one day of the year called the Day of Atonement where there was like thousands upon thousands upon thousands of sacrifices just to try to get forgiven. That's the Old Covenant, church. What's so staggering about the the New Covenant is that we don't have to do that anymore because we have a Savior who's a better sacrificial lamb, who is spotless, clean, sinless. He never sinned. He never gave in. He never lost a battle. Amen. And and, and, and he goes to the cross and he dies for us and his blood is shed for us. Why we can sing hope has a name is because we have hope in a new covenant. If we are still bound by the old covenant, we should stop what we're doing and we should go move to Israel And we should go start searching for a temple that doesn't exist anymore. Like Jesus is on the cross saying, it is finished. Like to my Jewish brothers and sisters, and I have a Jewish background, pleading with you to see the Messiah saying, it's finished. There's no more temple. The veil is torn. We have a king Look backwards and see him saying, hey, like you don't, you don't have to keep trying so hard. And we do it still till this day. We fall into sin and then we're like, okay, I got to go to church. I got to like give 20%. I got to like go do, I got to pray twice as long to try to earn my, like no, you don't because you have a savior who's paid for your sin, every last sin, past, present, future. Your tomorrow's sins are already covered So approach the Lord's table this morning with confidence that you're forgiven and that helps you remember that. I don't know about you, but I have to oftentimes remember throughout the day, okay, no, I am forgiven. No, I am a child of God. No, I am a new creation. No, I'm not the same person. No, God does see me as a son. Communion helps us do that, amen? The blood of Jesus was poured out for many, for the forgiveness of sins. You'd say, well, I don't know if I'm in the many. Well, have you received Jesus? Have you repented of your sin? Do you know him as your Savior? You're in the many. I know many people that haven't. And it's heartbreaking. And we should invite those people to know about the Savior. Amen? Come on, Pastor Dean. Amen? I know you're doing it, brother. I know you and Dorlisa are doing it. I know y'all are inviting people, right? Let's invite people to know this king who is ready to save. I love the blood of Jesus, right? It's the blood of Jesus, the blood of the covenant, right? This, this sinless 
stainless, spotless, powerful blood of Jesus is poured out. I used to hate seeing paintings of Jesus on the cross without any blood on them. I'm like, where's the blood at? Because the blood is where the power is. The blood is where the life is. And it will never lose its power. The, the author of the book of Hebrews talks about the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. If you're really interested in the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, the book of Hebrews is a great book to really jump into these uh, theological texts. One thing that the author of Hebrews says in chapter 9 is, he says, in fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So come on, church, we need the shedding of blood, amen? But we have the shedding of blood, and that's why I'm so grateful for this time. We do it once a month. We may start doing it more frequent than that. The Bible doesn't tell us how often we need to take communion. It just says when you do take communion, just remember the blood. <laughs> remember what he's done behind us. Communion helps us. It helps us. We need, we need handlebars, amen? We need, we need training wheels in our Christian faith. Unless you're waking up every morning and you're just like, Oh, and they're like, what's up with you? And you're like, Jesus saved me. I'm just, I want to get there. Like Peter Casella was there, right? Like I, I, need, I, need, I need to get more in love with the cross. I need to get more in love with the gospel. Why are you smiling like that? I guess like I'm forgiven. You don't understand. I, you don't understand my past. I, I got saved. Like, yo, you, you, that's why Paul said, some people think I'm out of my mind. But if I'm out of my mind, it's for Christ. He never got too far away from the gospel, which is why Paul, in a lot of his letters, says, Dear Galatians, I greet you in Jesus who died for me. Like, Paul was selfish with the gospel in that he never, he saw it so personal. And so should we. Communion helps us look backwards. But let me give you the second point. Check this out. Communion helps us look forward. I love this element here. I love this ordinance because communion, while it reminds us to focus on the cross, it says, look forward. In the same moment where Jesus is talking about his death, his blood, his body broken for our sins, he says, now, now, now in that same moment, don't stop there, but also look forward. As we look at our text, we see in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 26, he says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, he says, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Verse 26. This is a powerful verse right here. Because when it's talking about you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes, it's reminding us that, come on, amen, Jesus is coming. Can we just be encouraged and hopeful in the fact that Jesus is coming? Like, what a great reminder that Jesus is coming. I, we use this phrase a lot at church. And it's this, hey, the best is yet to come, right? Anybody ever said that? I got a Christmas card the other day that just said the best is yet to come. I love it. It's true. It's a, it's a great reminder. Here's why. Because Jesus is coming. 
He says, as often as you drink the cup, every time you pick up the bread and every time you pick up the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. It's this reminder that, hey, we're not always going to do this. One day we're no longer going to need to pick up a cup and pick up a bread and be reminded of what happened backwards. Here's why. Because one day we're going to be with him and we're actually going to share a meal with him in person. Like, it'll no longer be needed to have a, a reminder. You don't need to set reminders when you're with the person. It's like, yo, I got a reminder. I got a lunch tomorrow at 10. But you don't need a reminder when you're there. You're there. You're focused on the person. You're focused on the relationship. Come on. You're focused on the presence. And Jesus is saying communion helps us just to look forward. It's this promise that he's going to be with us. I love Matthew 26, verse 29. Verse 29 says, I tell you. Come on, let's read it together. Ready? One, two, three. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with, come on, look at the person next to you and say, with, with you. It's a message for us in my Father's kingdom. While Jesus is preaching the first ever communion message, while Jesus is unpacking the first ever Lord, think about the first ever moment where Jesus lifted the cup, lifted the bread. Here's what he says. He says, one day, I'm going to drink this new with you. One day, we're actually going to be at this table again in eternity, and we're going to do this together again. That's why we can really say, you know, no, there's more to come. The best is still to come. He's the God of more. God has more for your life. God may have done a lot in your past, praise God. Maybe you feel like God hasn't been in your past at all, but friends, there's more to come. When we take communion, it helps us look forward. It encourages us with what happened backwards, right? It also helps us look forward. I like how John Piper says it. Piper says, the purpose of the Lord's Supper is to receive from Christ the nourishment and strength and hope and joy that come from feasting our souls on all that he purchased for us on the cross, especially his own fellowship. And I like this phrase, his own fellowship, because communion is helping us be reminded that one day we're going to fellowship with Christ. Isn't that a good, a, a, a good reminder that one day we're going to all be in heaven in eternity with a new citizenship? Come on, a new body, a new mind, new streets, no more construction like it is in Las Vegas everywhere, right? right? Everything's going to be new, new grass, new animals. Everything's just going to be new. And we're going to sit down with Christ and we're going to partake in fellowship with one another. I'm going to look at the Apostle Paul and say, hey, how did you receive that communion message? Right, I'm going to look at those who went before us who are now with Christ together and they don't need to take communion because they're communing with the Savior. And that is a sweet thing to remember. It's when we take communion that we're nearest to heaven is what Spurgeon once said. I love this quote from Spurgeon. He said, I think the moments we are nearest to heaven are those we spend at the Lord's table. 
I want to say that because I really believe, and and I say that I believe it because I've experienced it, I've lived it, I've felt it, where I've, I've came to the first Sunday of the month, I've gotten this bread and juice, I've sat through the service, I've casually opened this up, and I didn't think about what happened at the cross, and I didn't think about what's going to happen in the future, and it was cheap. And this is not cheap, amen? Friends online, if you have a cracker and some juice in front of you, it's not cheap. What it represents is huge. What it represents is eternity is in your hand. That's why Jesus says, this is my body that you're holding. When you put something into your body, it becomes you. Have you ever heard somebody say, you are what you eat? Wow. I'm going to let that just take a second. If that has any truth to it, what happens when you put on Christ? What happens when you put in Christ? You might have been putting some poison in your body last night. You might have been putting some stuff in your body over the past. But what happens when you put this in your body? If you are what you eat and you put Christ in your body, all of a sudden you, you're different. This represents spiritually what happened in the past, the death and resurrection and the blood of Christ. This represents spiritually the future that we're one day going to eat this and drink this together with Christ and have fellowship with Christ in eternity. And that should stir our hearts today. Amen? Amen. Let me give you the third and final point of this Message, communion reminds us to look inward. So communion reminds us to look backwards. We see Jesus hanging on the tree for you and for me. Communion reminds us to look forward. We see a heavenly eternity, a promise with this Savior that is going to be glorious. And communion reminds us to look inward. This text finishes in verse 27 and 28. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Those are some heavy words right there. Let a person examine himself. This is what I mean when I say communion helps us look inward. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So if you go to the bread and the cup, prematurely, in other words, without examining yourself, you're doing this in an unworthy manner. This was given to us to help us examine ourselves. That we should oftentimes be examining our lives. This could be the moment that you came to church today and you're watched online today and you said, oh, you know what, I need to examine my life. As you approach 2021, how's it working for you? Maybe you would say today, there's a few things I need to get right. There's a few things today I need to examine that I don't really want to have anymore. Nina and I did this yesterday in our refrigerator. Can anybody relate? We knew that the garbage man was coming. We said, let's do an examination of this fridge. And we were like, how is this still in here? This has to go. And then sometimes you have to do that thing where you're like, you're not going to eat it. You're not. She needed to do that with me. I'm like, all right, fine. We'll let it, we'll let, we'll let it go, all right? And friend, maybe in this communion time, you would be examining your life, and the Holy Spirit would say, 
Let it go. Cut that out. It's not going to help you. It's actually going to hurt you. So repent of that. Be refreshed. Start fresh. Take the Lord's cup. Let it cleanse you. And be new today. Communion is not what saves us. Communion is the response once you've been saved to remind you you've been saved. And I need reminders often, Pharaohs, to just tell me, hi, you've been saved. Live like it. Like, live out your identity in Christ. And that's why Paul is saying, don't put Christ in you if you're not going to live like him, through him, for him, with him. That's why this is called communion, amen? It helps us look inward. Let a person examine himself then and so eat the bread and drink of the cup. We don't want to do this in an unworthy way. Sam Storms writes about this, theologian commentator. He says, to partake of the Lord's table in an unworthy manner, as it says in verse 27, is to take it without regard to its true worth. Again, we want... We want to get the true, full worth out of this. Not yours. To partake unworthily is to come complacently. Has anybody ever done that or just me? I've approached the table complacent before. I must confess. But I don't want to do that today. Lightheartedly, giving no thought to that which the elements signify. As we get ready to respond in worship I want you to just start thinking about this right now before we partake. We're going to do this together. But that we don't partake in an unworthy way. That we don't, we don't breeze over lightheartedly, complacently, giving no thought to which the communion elements signify. That we give, we give value to where is due. We give thought. We give conviction, we give passion, we do this together and we do it right. As we go into this moment, I want us to just have a moment to reflect, a moment to examine. And maybe today you find yourself, come on, let's look at those three points again. Let me just pull these three points up. Maybe today you're like in awe of what happened backwards. Maybe today you haven't gotten saved yet. This backwards moment today needs to be your present. Like today is the day of salvation. You're like, hey, I never actually received Jesus. I never even knew what the cross meant. That was my story for so many years. Maybe today you're like, you know what? Now I get it. I used to see Jesus just on the cross. It never really made sense, but now I get it. And you need to camp out here. Or maybe this year has been so discouraging and so draining that you just need some hope for the future. And you need to camp out here. And just know as you take this cup, the best days are still ahead. Or maybe you need to camp out here and just say, hey, I know Jesus died for me. I know I'm going to spend eternity with him, but I'm not living right. I'm not the son I should be. I'm not the daughter I should be. I'm not being the husband I should be. I'm not being the wife I should be. I'm not, I'm not being the fiance I should be. I'm not, I'm not being the business leader I should be. I'm lying. I'm stealing. I'm, I'm cheating. I'm drinking. I'm smoking. I'm doing, I'm wilding. I'm watching stuff I shouldn't watch. I don't know what your story is, but here's the good news about communion. This is the time to examine and bring. 
Examine your life. I like to think of going through the security point at the airport. Like that person might come over and be like, hey, like here's this little bowl. Put all the extra stuff in here. It's always annoying. I get it. But it's supposed to be for safety. Jesus would maybe come to you in your seat today and say, hey, this, this, and this, put it in the bowl. Now you can, go, now you can move forward. I want, it, it's for your safety and for those around you. Final quote I like from Pastor Mark Dever. Dr. Dever says, It is true that the Lord's Supper is only for sinners. But within that group, it is only for repentant sinners. So, so this time is, is for all of us. We're all deeply sinful. If you are sinful here today, welcome home. Welcome to a group. See, some people say, I don't go to church because there's hypocrites. They're like, you're like, what? Like, just join the club then, bro. Come on. We all, we're all a work in progress. Some of us are just getting better and some of us aren't. Come to this hospital. Get, get healed up. Healed people heal people. And we, we approach this time today with repentance on our hearts. So I don't know what that looks like for you, but I'm going to pray. Rashawn's going to lead us in a time of worship and we'll respond. And when you're, when you're ready, I want you to partake in the Lord's Supper together. Father, we honor you today. We thank you for your word. We thank you that Jesus is behind us. Jesus is in front of us. And Jesus is at the center of our lives. He's within us. He's in our hearts. He's in our minds. Thank you that there was this little baby born in a manger who came to take away the sins of the world. To institute a new covenant that we may be made new. So Father, I pray today if there's anybody in this room or watching online right now that needs to be saved, that God, you would save them radically. It would be a transformation. It would be a life-changing transformation, God. Save and restore and repair and renew hearts today. That you just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Confess that you're a sinner. Believe that he died. Believe that he rose from the grave. Believe that he's coming again. Put your full weight upon him, your full faith. Believe. Believe, 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 believe. And God, as we examine our lives right now, give us the supernatural power to say no to sin and say yes to him. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. God, we know you're willing. Change us. Make us new. We give you our hearts, God. We give you our lives. God, whatever fear we have, let us even give you that fear. Let us replace fear of man with the fear of God. Let us not fear the world. Let us have such a fear, reverence, and relationship with the Father. And we know who we are. 
God, thank you that you're with us and for us. Help us now as we go into this moment of communion. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.